This is In The Word with Malcolm Weber. God loves you more than you love yourself. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to use you or abuse you. You know, someone thinks, well, you know, if, if I surrender fully to God, then maybe he'll, you know, send me to China or something. Well, maybe he will. But dear friend, if that's what God wants for you, then you'll be far happier in China in the middle of his purpose than you will be in Indiana out of his purpose. God, it may surprise you, but God is wiser than you. Welcome to In the Word with Malcolm Weber. God saved you according to his own purpose, not yours. The question is not, what do I want to accomplish in my life? The question is rather, how does God want me to glorify Him in my life? Dr. Weber unpacks the difference in the second part of his message, Your Purpose is Found in the Will of God. Well, what are some of the reasons we don't surrender ourselves to God? And I'd like to look at several of these reasons with you this morning. Some of the reasons, some of the enemies of surrender to God. And the first one is laziness. Spiritual laziness. Because all of this just seems like such hard work, you know? Surrendering to God in the first place and then serving Him with abandon for the rest of your life. And I don't understand this, but I have observed this, that many people want to get away with the bare minimum of Christian experience and of Christian commitment. They just want to somehow you know, make it in in the end. Somehow just kind of scrape through life, just being saved in the end. But in the meantime, let's not get too radical. And that, dear friends, is spiritual laziness. And that is the mortal enemy of the purpose of God being fulfilled in your life. The second reason why we don't surrender our souls to God is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency, my. Why do I need to be surrendered? I'm getting along pretty good by myself. Why do I need to hand myself over to Jesus Christ? And in America, I think this is probably our greatest problem. In a time in this country of great peace and great prosperity, we're doing great without God. In the churches, we're doing great without God. And many churches just carry on with their own programs and agendas and plans And it's all pious-looking religious stuff, but God isn't in it. It's kind of like the whirlwind, you know, outside of Elijah's cave on the mountain. A tremendous amount of noise and activity, but the Lord wasn't in it. And sometimes I wonder if we in America 
even know or care whether or not God is with us and in what we do and behind what we do because we seem to be able to make it work so well without it. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of the purpose of God. And we can make it look so good, can't we? But in the end, it's worthless. In the end, before God, it's all going to burn. Remember, I've shared with you before the story of my friend back in Australia years ago. A lady, great woman of God. And the Lord would come to her on a number of occasions. And one time she was out on the coastal area and Jesus spoke to her in an audible voice and he said, come down to the beach. And so she went down to the beach and as she went down, she saw, this is at night, on the beach, just no one else there, but she saw the Lord Jesus there. And he was beside this great pile of trash, this great pile of garbage, rot, rotting, stinking garbage. And she understood that as it was just worse, you know, just rotting, horrible, putrid trash. It was worse, nearer the center of this pile of garbage. And Jesus looked at her and he spoke to her and he said, All of your most righteous works are worse than the worst part of this pile of garbage here. And it really broke her because she'd been brought up a Roman Catholic and was struggling with these sorts of things, you know, self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. But I wonder if the Lord Jesus would examine the church in America and if he would examine our works and what we have achieved. I wonder if he would consider it to be precious stones and gold and silver. Or I wonder if he would call it wood, hay, and stubble. If it's not done from him and through him and to him, then it's worthless. If it's not done from him, it doesn't come. If it's not his idea. And then if it's not through him, in other words, by his strength, by his wisdom. And then if it's not to him, in other words, to his glory, to his glory. And I know we know how to say that. Oh, all the glory goes to God, you know. <laughs> but really, whose glory is it to? It is not of Him and through Him and to Him. It's worthless. No matter how religious it looks. And then a third enemy of surrender to God is just simply hostility. Not liking the idea of surrender to God because you may have seen Christians who loudly trumpeted a life of great surrender and obedience to God. And yet, in reality, they were either incredibly boring and dull, on the one hand, or they were off on some weird, unbalanced tangent, on the other hand. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want to be like either of them. And so you back off from the whole thing of surrender. But the answer is, dear friend, God is not boring. Would you repeat that after me? God is not boring. Hallelujah. You believe that? Mine. And neither is God weird and unbalanced. 
And people who are either boring on the one hand or weird on the other are usually not surrendered to God anyway. They're usually following their own purposes and agendas. They just know how to say the right things. And in any case, God is not going to put you in someone else's mold. You have unique fingerprints. God has only made one like you. Thank God. (laughs) My. And as you fully surrender to the Lord Jesus, you will be like what he's intended you to be. You're not going to become the carbon copy clone of someone else. Hallelujah. That's right. So God forbid that you would try to imitate someone else in any way, but follow the Lord Jesus Christ and fulfill his purpose. Be the way he wants you to be. The fourth enemy to abandonment to God is that some are suspicious of God. Perhaps God will take advantage of me in some way if I give him absolutely everything. Sure. Well, what a foolish thought. God loves you more than you love yourself. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to take advantage of you. He's not going to use you or abuse you. You know, someone thinks, well, you know, if, if I surrender fully to God, then maybe he'll you know, send me to China or something. Well, maybe he will. But dear friend, if that's what God wants for you, then you'll be far happier in China in the middle of his purpose than you will be in Indiana out of his purpose. God, it may surprise you, but God is wiser than you. His ways are better than you. His purpose, dear friend, is better than what you could come up with. It actually is. And so don't worry that God is going to somehow take advantage of you or make you do something bad. It's all right. He knows what he's doing. It will work a whole lot better to give your life to him and to stay in control yourself. Then the fifth enemy of surrender to God is that some are afraid that if they surrender to God, that there will be a secret hope in their life that will be unfulfilled. If I give myself to God, then you know maybe I won't be able to do this or that that I really want to do. Well, you may not. Perhaps there is in your heart a desire for some secret sin that you want to try. Perhaps there's some ambition in your heart and you're not sure that God shares it. Well, he probably doesn't. But again, whatever he does have for you will be better. Far, far better than whatever ideas you have for yourself. And furthermore, when you give yourself to God, then he takes out of your heart all of those wrong desires and ambitions anyway. The sixth enemy is fear. Because some are afraid that they won't be able to 
keep it up. It'll be too hard for them. You know, if you kind of start on this road of surrender, the way is going to get too hard. Look at the words of Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and honor, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. God is able to keep you, to guard you, to protect you, to empower you, to stop you from falling. Hallelujah. God has the power to guide you. God has the power to keep you. God has the power to be able to present you faultless before his throne on the last day. You see, your failure in the past was not because you were surrendered to God. That's not why it went wrong. Your failure in the past, and we have all got much failure in the past, and the reason we have it is because we were not surrendered to God. That's why we failed. Not because we were and it didn't work. The seventh enemy of surrender are memories of the past. Thinking back, you know, to the failure of the past and the condemnation keeping you from God now. And perhaps you're still punishing yourself for what you've done in the past. And occasionally I've heard people say to me, when they've wanted to give their life to the Lord Jesus, but they've said, if only you knew what I'd done, then you would understand why I can't enter life with the Lord Jesus Christ. But dear friend, when Jesus forgives, he also forgets. And all of your sins and all of the junk of the past are as far away as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. So let it go, release it, and get on with your purpose in God. In an attitude of worship and prayer, let's look now at what full surrender means. It means two things. What does it mean to fully surrender to God? Firstly, full surrender means that I give to the Lord Jesus as much of myself as I know of myself. And then I give him the rest that I don't know about you. Because there's an awful lot in our hearts and our lives, isn't there, that we don't know, that we don't understand. Vast areas of your will, of your understanding, of your emotions, of your affection, of your motivations, of your intentions. You don't understand them. But to surrender to God means to give to God what you do know. Everything you know about yourself from the inside out. To give it to the Lord Jesus. And then also to give Him everything you don't know as well. Bundle it all up together. All you know of yourself and all you don't know of yourself and lay it once and for all at Jesus' feet. 
give him your inward life, your outward life, Secondly, to surrender to God means to purpose to do that again and again and again every day. Jesus told us to take up our cross daily and to follow Him. To do it daily, minute by minute. Continually hand over to Him the Lordship of your heart and your life. Because once is not enough. We need to do it daily. And if we don't do it today and then tomorrow and then the next day, if we don't do that, then your surrender to God will become just some past memory getting sadder and sadder as the years go by. Looking back to how great it was at that time in your life, perhaps the time of your first love for the Lord Jesus. You know why that was so great? It's because you gave it all. You know why it's difficult now? You've taken some back. Will you close your eyes with me, please? Setting your heart upon the Lord Jesus. Giving Him your life. Giving Him your purposes. Your ambitions. Your desires. Your motives your agendas, all of your activities, giving it all to Him, your mind, your thoughts, your imaginations. He owns it. It's His. Even your thoughts and imaginations. Jesus owns your thoughts and imaginations. They are not just your own private possessions. But Jesus has purchased rightful ownership of them with his own blood. And so give them to him, minute by minute, day by day. And give Him your past. Give Him your memories. If you're still troubled by your past, it's because you've not given it fully to Him. Place it in His hands. The bad things of the past, even the good things of the past. Paul said, I count it all but dung that I might fully know Him. And the things of the future, 
your desires for the future. Oh, your great hopes. We all have great, great hopes for the future. But sometimes we start to run ourselves, don't we? By ourselves, instead of with Him. Give your future to the Lord Jesus. It's His. He not only purchased your sins in the past with His death on the cross, He purchased your future as well. It's His. Give it to Him. Father, we ask that you would meet with us. That you would do a new thing in our hearts and our lives. That you would take us utterly and entirely. That you would set us apart for yourself, truly apart for you, Lord. We're so glad you joined us for In the Word with Malcolm Weber, a weekly podcast featuring selected teachings from Dr. Weber's over 40 years of ministry. Find more teachings along with books, courses, tools, and other resources from Dr. Weber at www.leadersource.org. Tune in next week as we continue his next message. Our ultimate purpose is to know God.